Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I talk with director Brian Barnes. He's been making indie films since 1987, and his new feature, The Redeeming, is making its world premiere at the Horror on Sea Film Festival this coming January. We talk about film school, corporate videos, and how he made his first feature film for next to nothing. Let's get into it. And here we are with Brian Barnes. Brian, thanks for being on the podcast. How are you, man? Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm, uh, I'm uh, very, very pleased to be speaking to you. I'm excited to have you on the, on the podcast um, to talk not only about your, uh, your new film, but uh, your whole filmmaking career. Uh, before we get into the film itself, uh, I thought it might be beneficial uh, to learn a little bit about you. Uh, could you give us a little background uh, about your filmmaking journey? Sure. What, what got you started in directing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name is Brian Barnes, and I live here in London in the UK. Um, I've, uh, I've been making films since uh, 1987. Um, I, uh, I principally work in the corporate video sector, making uh, films for big companies. I've made uh, videos for three of the world's five biggest brands. I've made videos for Apple, Google, Microsoft... I won an award for a video I made for Intel. I made two charity videos with uh, Tony Blair when he was our prime minister. Um, And uh, recent clients have included Facebook and Amazon. Um, But the most important thing is on the side, I've basically plowed all the profits from those those kind of jobs into making my own short films. And so on the side, I've made 25 short films some of which have you know, gone on to, to play at festivals all around the world, win awards. Some have even been sold to TV you know, in, in the past when, when, when films could be sold to TV. Um, but I've always, always, always wanted to make feature films, and uh, I finally got around to doing it. So your film is called The Redeeming. Yeah, it's, it's a psychological thriller uh, called The Redeeming. Um, it's, uh, it's a kind of cat and mouse thriller that sort of takes place out over the course of one evening. Um, it, we, we, we kind of, um, aimed it at, at people who are kind of fans of films like, um, Get Out or Blue Ruin or, um, Don't Breathe or It Comes at Night. Those, those kind of films that have been out recently. But, but we've actually, the, the main mm-hmm. inspirations for the film have been classic films like um, Misery, Psycho, and The Shining. Yeah, when I was watching uh, the trailer, I definitely got a uh, Misery vibe from it. It's very much... So you, you nailed that. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean it, you know, Misery was definitely a, a key influence on the film, um, I mean, it, you know, it, just to be absolutely clear, it is not a rip-off of Misery. It is not a copy of Misery. It is not a fan film of Misery. It is its own independent film. It's just that it, it has a lot of DNA that it shares with, with Misery, with Psycho, with The Shining. It's, it's got those kind of classic sort of, 
you know, locked in one location type feel um, films. Now, you have some background uh, in television, um, directing television. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I've I've directed well over 500 hours of live television. Um, uh, but it's very, very cheap, low rent game show TV. Um, it's nothing to, to be uh, that proud of, to be honest. It's um, I mean, I did do one one show which was a classic cult show of its day. It was a, a game show called Bikini Beach, which basically just featured, you know, beautiful young women in bikinis uh, presenting a, a game show format, um, you know, live on, on satellite TV. It went out here in the UK. I've also done another show which went out on South African television, um, but I mean, you know, the, the this is sort of like in my dim and distant past, and and um, you know, it's like ten years since I've done any of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, <laughs> don't hold it against me. <laughs> oh, not at all. I mean, I can only imagine the amount of uh, you know experience you pick up uh, doing something like that, especially if it's live. Well, it, in, I mean, you got to be ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think one of the most important things you learn from doing live television is you really learn to prioritize. I mean, I massively learn to prioritize because basically you can only repair or mend or fix one thing at a time and so you have to you have to identify what is the one thing i absolutely have to sort out right now because everything else i just have to let go and and that really changes the way you behave on set when you're doing a, a drama film you know when you've got all the time in the world effectively uh, in comparison because you really find yourself focusing on what is the one most important thing right here right now that i need to sort out and everything else kind of you let uh, take care of itself. I mean, for example, I mean, like when I work with actors, you know, obviously we follow a script. I'm, I'm you know, I'm always I'm always very careful to develop a script. And we you know, when I'm working with actors, we, we, we stick to the script. But I'm also a massive believer in improvisation. And so, um, you know, I will allow my actors to come up with fresh ideas, fresh material on on set when when we're shooting. Um, but I'm always, um, you know, got my eye on, you know, what is the main thrust of the story, you know, and I don't let that sort of get pushed to one side or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a, a meld, a, a blend of, you know, rigid sort of planned behavior and improvised behavior. And I kind of find this happy medium between the two, um, you know, and there's, and there's one moment in uh -huh. there's one moment in the film which I'm really really proud of because because it's it, it, it's a moment that Joyce uh, played by uh, Tracy Ann Wood, um, it's a moment that she completely improvised. You know, literally seconds before we shot that scene, and and you know we were sort of running through the scene, and I was saying to to Tracy, um, you know, this this scene isn't quite working for me. We need to do something else here. And she sort of came up with this idea. It was, it's kind of like a body body language move that she did. I can't really go into specifics because it'll spoil the the moment if if you haven't seen the film. But, um, sure. but 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 you know that. I mean, even though we were shooting up against you know incredible time pressures on the film, you know she still felt relaxed and free enough to be able to sort of come up with new improvisations on set while we were shooting. And and that's 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 you know 
kind of how I love to work with actors, you know, to keep them free and, and, and playful like that. And, and, um, and I, you know, she really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed it and we, we both got a lot out of it, you know. Is it true that you went to film school? That's right, yeah. I, I went to the Royal College of Art Film School, um, which is actually um, uh, it's the same institution that Ridley Scott went to and that Tony Scott went to. Um, but but they wow. they uh, Ridley Scott was there as a graphic designer, not as a film student. Tony Scott was there as a as a film student. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, they were there many many years before I was there. But you know, I was there many many years ago. Now, I mean, I was there in uh, eighty nine to ninety one. I was there, so uh, you know, it was it, it's a considerable time ago for me now. Um, I mean, it's it the, the, it was a great great film school. I loved it because. Um, we, we had a very, very small class. There were only 25 of us on the class. And, um, and, 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 and it was kind of like self-directed learning. So, so we had tutors there who were kind of facilitators. They didn't actually teach us. They, were, they, were, they sort of created an atmosphere where we could learn to collaborate and form our own teams and, and all this kind of stuff. So we, we, de we developed a very sort of very strong self-reliance and um and pretty much all of us when we graduated went straight into the business because we were so self-sufficient that we were able to set up our own company production companies and 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 sort of get going so like you know i left i left film school in 91 and i set up my production company immediately and, and immediately got into making corporate videos and and uh, and i've been doing it ever since you know so that's fantastic yeah i mean that that's uh, definitely a, an argument uh, for young filmmakers to, to go to film school. Um, you know, it, it, is a, it is a very good um, uh, way to learn. But I mean, like, don't forget, back in the early 90s, when I was at film school, you know, the main reason we went to film school in those days was to get access to kit and to meet other filmmakers, like-minded filmmakers. Now, today, of course, with the internet, sure. you can meet like other like-minded filmmakers really easily just on, you know, by sort of cruising... Um, you know, the chat rooms or, or Facebook groups or whatever, you know, I mean, like you and I are speaking to each other, mm -hmm. you know, over Skype, you know, you're in California, I'm here in London, you know, we've never met, you know, we mm -hmm. didn't, we didn't even know each other existed until last week kind of thing. In addition to that, uh, you're talking with me from the future. <laughs> Indeed, I'm eight hours ahead of you, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. my, my day's all gone, whereas you still got your whole day to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, so so basically, what I was saying is, you know, the, the the reason why we used to go to film school back in those days was, you you know, to get access to like-minded co collaborators and and to get access to kit. Now, of course, these days, anybody and everybody's got kit. I mean, like, you know, we've all got a phone. Um, I mean, like, you know, I've l lately, I've I've actually been using my phone as my second camera on many of my corporate shoots. You know, because my phone is so good now that. That um, that I can shoot mm -hmm. on my phone, you know, for my sort of like B camera um, cutaways and stuff like that when I'm when I'm shooting on my A camera. So, um, you know, it's a completely different world from from when I went to film school. Um, and um, right. you know, so and and and, and I mean, I, I'm a regular contributor and reader uh, 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 on Quora. I, I don't know if you know Quora, but I mean, I, I, Quora is a fantastic site where people can you know talk discuss um, at length, uh, really 
sort of deep, meaningful subjects, you know, that, that are important to them. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about on Quora is, is films and filmmaking. And, you know, there's always someone asking, you know, should I go to film school? And these days, to be honest, you know, if you're just starting out, I wouldn't know really whether to advise you to go or, or not to go because because you can create your own com- your filmmaking community you know through the power of the internet and 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 you've already got a, a good uh-huh. enough camera on your phone that you don't really need access to kit what you need is just to make stuff and and you know when i first uh-huh. bought when i bought my very first camera of my own and and i'm not talking that long ago it's only like just certainly under 20 years ago that I bought my first camera. The first thing I did when I bought my first camera was I, I made a little film. I made, um, I made a little idiotic, uh, little film of, um, of a, a, a Smurf, you know, like a, a, a toy Smurf sort of being chased by an entity mm-hmm. down the corridor in my flat kind of thing. And, and, you know, and I, and I, and I did that, you know, just to learn how to use the camera, but also to learn, you know, power, the power of visual storytelling, because, because when I, when I first got my first camera, you know, it was the first time I'd ever owned my own means of production up to then I'd always had to hire in kit. Um, and, and so when I first got a camera, I, I was able to play with it and to explore it so much more freely than when I'd had to pay to, to hire in kit all the time previously. And, and having that kit available mm-hmm. to you all the time makes it so much easier to learn filmmaking. And, and, and you know, actually learning how to make films is, is so much easier now than it was when I went to film school. And, and for that reason, I think, well, yeah, it's not really worth going to film school sure. from that point of view. But, of course, one of the things you learn at film school, if it's a really good film school, one of the things you learn at film school, of course, is, is the history of cinema. And, and that is a really useful thing to learn. Um, you know, because if you know how previous directives have solved problems that you're facing in terms of, you know, how do I tell this bit of the story or whatever? You know, if you look at someone like, you know, what Truffaut did or what Hitchcock did or, you know, what Vim Vendors did, you know, how, or, or, you know, Werner Herzog, how did he solve these problems? You know, then, then mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a, a, a wonderful resource to, to be able to use. But then at the same time, you know, innovation in film comes from your own imagination it doesn't come from copying past masters you know so sometimes right. sometimes it's better not to know what the history of cinema is because um uh because then you 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 might come up with something completely fresh you know um right so yeah i mean whether to go to film school or not is is such a difficult debate these days it really is um uh, yeah i mean like you know 20 25 years ago when i went to film school it was you know there was a, it was a no brainer you had you had to go to film school um because because it mm-hmm. it created a network for you i mean like the first job i got out of i mean this is something we haven't talked about actually is that um the first job i i had when i came out of film school is i worked in commercials I worked in commercials for two years after I got out of film school as an editor. I was ed- oh. editing commercials, and, and I got that job purely on the basis of knowing somebody at film school who knew somebody mm. who was looking for someone, you know. So, and that network sure. is the power of, uh, was the power of being part of a film school in those days. And that networking 
still holds true today. You know, um, you, that, that would be the number one reason to go to film school now is that you instantly get hooked into to the bigger networks. You know, like I mean, we've got the National Film School here in, in, in uh, just outside London. Pretty much, you're pretty much guaranteed that if you graduate from that film school, you get introduced to the top BBC drama commissioning editors, you know, and, and, and you know, you'll pretty much be working for the BBC pretty, pretty quickly if you go to that film school, um, you know, because it is effectively the, the sort of state sponsored film school for the for the UK. So, um, you know, it's a great network to get yourself hooked into. When it came time to making your first feature film, did you find yourself uh drawing on uh, things you learned from film school, either uh, consciously or, or subconsciously? Um, well, I, I, I know for a fact that for the first, at least the first five, if not the first ten years out of film school, whenever I was um, faced with a production difficulty, I, my first question to myself was always, how would we have solved this at the RCA, the Royal College of Art, my film school? And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I know I consciously asked myself that for at least five to ten years once I was out of film school. But certainly in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, I haven't been asking myself that. And I, and I don't know whether that's because what I learned at film school is now so out of date that it's no longer relevant or whether it's because I've kind of absorbed it into my DNA now that I don't really need to consciously ask myself that question. But... But uh, I think when when I came to to make the feature, the thing that I relied on more than anything was um, my pre-existing relationships with with people that I'd been making short films with, you know. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I mean, one of the principles that I've always applied with with when it came come to to making my my short films is I've always applied the the Robert Rodriguez sort of Roger Corman principle, which is you know make a list of what you have. And then build your story around that, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. you know. So, so basically, um, what the the way the redeeming came about was um, uh, in sort of in late 2013, I managed to get a, get a company to commission me to direct a commercial for them, and the budget on that was really quite sizable. It was a good budget, and um, and so basically, I decided because I had that budget. I would spend quite a bit of the money that I had available on doing some really big casting sessions. So I held these really big casting sessions at um, at Ealing Studios here in London. We had we you know we had a proper casting oh. studio set up there, and, and we just got these really good ac- actors coming in over a three or four day period, and um, it was it was amazing because the the first day, I think it was the second actress that walked into the room. I just thought this woman is amazing. She's incredible. She's she's probably the best performer I've ever encountered. And and I you know was talking to her about you know what have you done and everything. And and she hadn't really achieved a great deal in in her career. Um, and um, so anyway, I got on at the end of the day. I got on the phone to my to my writing partner Roger Thomas, who's 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 someone I've worked with for years now. And um, and I said, look, I've met this amazing actress and. And I've got access to this house out in the countryside. Let's, you know, can you go away and think up an idea that would use her in this house? Because we've got the house, we've got this actress, you know, come up with something. Mm. And, um, 
And uh, and then, you know, through that casting process, I found a, another bunch of actors and we ended up shooting this commercial. And in the commercial, I think we, we had uh, we had uh, two principal roles and then we had about one supporting role and then three extras. So I think that, you know, there was about five or six people in the commercial altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up I ended up taking three of them and putting them in the feature film. You know? <laughs> so, um um, you know, basically, I got Roger, my writing partner, to write this script, and, and basically, at the end of the commercial shoot, I pulled Tracy to one side and I said, "Look, Tracy, you know, I, I think you're fantastic. I really want to work with you. I've got this feature script that we're working on, and we're writing it for you. Are you interested?" And she said, "Absolutely. Please send it to me." You know, yeah. so. So I sent it to her, and, and she loved it immediately. And I got um, Ryan, who was who was one of the extras in the commercial. I got him to come and play the, uh, the um, male lead opposite her. And then Robert, who was in the commercial, uh, Robert Blackwood, who was in the commercial uh, as the lead in the commercial, he came in and did a supporting part in in the feature. So wow. So um, you know, I have I found this I found this troupe of of marvelous actors. Um, and then we sort of built this feature around the actors and around this location that I had, um, and and you know and and but uh, you know but it it a lot of it depends on that wonderful relationship I had with Roger up you know previously. I mean, like Roger and I had been working together probably since about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. We'd written about four or five feature scripts together. Hmm. I knew he was a really strong writer. Uh, we'd written, we'd, we'd made a short film together. We'd made a web series together. Um, you know, so, so, you know, we had this great working relationship and, and, you know, I, I, I knew that he could deliver the goods if I just said to him, look, you know, here are the parameters of, of what we need to do. You know, we've got this house, we've got this actress, go away, do something. And, you know, he cooked up this script in no time at all. I mean, like, I think we had a, we had a first draft, certainly within six weeks of me sort of, you know, picking up the phone to him that first day. Nice. Um, and we, and we were shooting, we were shooting within, I mean, like, that was like, that would have been October time, and we were shooting by January. So, um, you know, because everything was in place. I like it. You don't waste any time. Well, yeah, well, ironically, as it turned out, you know, I said to Roger, we've got this fantastic location, but then as it turned out, three weeks before we were due to shoot, the location fell through, so we then had to find another location. (laughs) But, (laughs) But... but but if that location, I mean, and, and as it turned out, the, the new location we found was much, much better than the first location that we had. So, you know, in the end, the film turned out so much better than it was ever going to turn out originally. But, but that, you know, that's the luck of the draw, isn't it? But I mean, but, but, but it, it just proves my point about this idea of, you know, make sure, you know, make your list of what you have available and then build a story, build a concept around that. And then there's nothing to stop you going ahead and shooting if you do it that way around because you don't have to find the money to go and find the location because you've already got the location you don't have to i mean like i you know we we basically i you know we in the film we need you know we needed a gun in the film we needed a car in the film well we already had those because that was in the list that i gave to roger you know i said to roger i've got this house mm-hmm. i've got this actress i've got this gun i've got this car do something you know right and, and he came up with this fantastic fantastic story and um you know, and it really is a, a marvelous, marvelous film, and I'm so, so pleased with it. And 
so many uh, uh, directors that I talk to, you know, they always regret their first feature and they say, oh, yeah, we had so many problems, it didn't work out, you know, oh, it'll be better, better next time kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, I've been making films since 1987. I've been making films for 30 years. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I've, I've, been, I've been wanting to make a feature film since I started making films in 1987 because I've always felt hemmed in by the short film format. I've always wanted to make, you know, much longer stories. And, and, but I was also always determined that my first feature would be a very good film. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's taken me so long to get round to, to to making one because I was never happy with the scripts previously. I was, or, or you know, or I couldn't find the right actor, or I couldn't find the right location, or I didn't have enough money, or you know, all these reasons why you why a film just doesn't happen. And you're happy now, so you're you're happy with the way it worked out. Or if you could do it over, would you uh, you know go back in time and and nudge yourself? Hey, don't wait so long. Make the feature. Well, I mean, if I had made, if I had made, if I had tried, let me put it this way, if I had tried to make this film, you know, 25 years ago, let's say, mm-hmm. it would not have been as good. There's no way it would have been as good. Absolutely no way. Because I have, um, in the intervening time, I have trained and performed as an actor myself. Mm. And, and, and and by doing that, I have learned how to work with actors so much more effectively than I than I was working with actors, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And, um, you know, and, and, and also, I mean, like back, you know, 25 years ago, we would have had to shoot this on celluloid and celluloid mm-hmm. is unbelievably expensive. And, um, you know, and, and, and I've I've developed a new working method since digital came in. I've developed this new working method. That basically would be impossible to do on film because I, you know, I I like to do a lot of on-camera improvisation. I like to do lots and lots of takes. I, you know, um, not 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 in the David Fincher way of you know trying to sort of you know a war of attrition with your actors and sort of wearing them down and everything. I like to experiment. I like to try things out. I like to let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. And you can't do that on film because you just can't afford to do it. Right. Um, but on digital, you you know you can do it. But I mean, like we've we've managed to make this film for you know dirt dirt cheap money. I mean, like basically, there's a there's a car that features in the film. You you won't have seen it in the trailer, but but in the film there is a car that features in the film. We shot the redeeming for half the cost of that car. So um, hmm. you know we we made it for next to nothing. This film. I mean, wow. post production post production has been much much more expensive. I mean, post production has become so much more expensive than it used to be because, you know, to get through uh, the quality control on all the aggregator platforms now, you, you know, you you need to have five point one audio, you need to have a proper grade on your picture, and all this kind of stuff. So, and that costs money. So, mm-hmm. so we've actually spent a lot of money on post, but but to actually get the film in the can cost next to nothing, and. Um, and um, and that was kind of the way I designed the project as well. Because it was my first feature, I knew I didn't know what I was doing. So, um, so I thought, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll shoot this as cheaply as possible so that if it turns out to be a pile of rubbish, we can either abandon it or I can cut it down and just make a short film out of it or we can just forget, it, forget the whole thing ever happened and go on and do another one, you know. So, mm-hmm. But as it turned out, you know, I was so so happy with what we got that um, 
that I thought, okay, well, it's now worth spending the money to finish this off properly and, and, and do the full post-production and, and deliver it and, and get it out there, you know. And, and, you know, so I'm very, very happy with the film. Um, we're, we're doing our world premieres coming up at the end of January um, at the, the Horror on Sea Film Festival in South End in Essex here in the UK. Um, that's a... Uh, it's a it's a good festival. It's it's a world renowned uh, horror festival. Um, you know we're a psychological thriller, so we're a good fit. Um, you know, and and we're doing that on the on the twenty eighth of January or January the twenty eighth, as you might uh, say it in in America. Um, and then and then we're coming out on um, on VOD platforms on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Instant Video the next day. So um, wow, uh, you know, so you'll you'll be able, you'll be able to see it. How did you come up with that strategy of will premiere at a festival and then the next day VOD. Um, how, how'd you come to that decision rather than uh, multiple festival routes or, or trying to get uh, distribution? Well, I mean, it's, I suppose, well, okay. I mean, I, I've been to the Cannes Film Festival uh, a number of times. And, and the reason I went was to go to the, visit the market to do research on, on, you know, how to sell and package films. And um, basically, you know, what I discovered in my research was that um, if you're an unknown director, which I am, with unknown actors, which my actors are, um, you know, with unknown writers, with no money, you know, the only way you can sell your film is on the genre. That's the only way you can sell it. That that's oh. uh, you know so 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 you need to look at well what are the top selling genres, and if you look at them, the top selling genres are horror, sci-fi, action, and thriller. That's the top four selling genres. So I didn't want to do a straight horror because I, I'm into psychological horror, but but um, but I, I couldn't think of an idea of a psychological horror idea that could be sustained for a feature film length. So I, that's out of the out of the question for me for for this project. Um, mm -hmm. Sci-fi and action are so so difficult to do when you've got no money. Right. So that left us with thriller. Now, thriller is is you know my favourite genre. It's my favourite genre of all time. I'm like you know, if you tell me there's a thriller playing at the cinema, I'm I'm straight down there on opening day to to go and watch it. I don't care anything. I don't need to know anything about it. I just need to know it's a thriller. I'm there. Mm. So so I was you know I'm I you know I really know my thrillers. I really understand that genre. You know so so when I found through my research that you know thrillers sell you know pretty well. And I know how to make a thriller. I thought, okay, fine. I, you know, that's something I can do. So, so basically, the the, the idea was, you know, okay, so I'm going to make this thriller, and uh, you know, I'm I'm a nobody. My actors are nobodies. I've got no money, but because it's a thriller, you know, that will be the hook. That will be the thing that people pay attention to. So, so basically, my idea was that because you've got that genre hook. You don't need to do much of a festival run for it because, um, you know, the, the genre is doing the selling for you. But oh. you need to go you need to go to a, a festival so that you get press coverage. Sure. I mean, you know, if you think about if you think about how you and I got to talk now, it's because I sent you an email saying, you know, we're doing this world premiere at this festival. So mm -hmm. that, that's a hook, a market. It's a marketing hook. For me to sort of you know knock on your door and say, look, I've got something happening, you know. Whereas, right. whereas if I just said to you, you know, my film's coming out on VOD, you'd be less interested, you know. Sure. So, um, so, so the world premiere at a festival is kind of like, 
the only bit of marketing that you need to do other than the, you know, this is my genre kind of thing, you know. So, um, but also, you know, because of the research that I'd done at Cannes, um, you know, I worked out how to, how to, how to create, create the right sort of image for my film, how to package my film, um, you know, so that when I pitched it to distributors, um, I was expecting a good result, you know, and, and as it happened, you know, I pitched uh, this film to uh, my favourite distributor. I made this sort of short list of the distributors I wanted to take the film. I, you know, I pitched it to, to the top one on my list and they said, yes, OK, send us a screener. We want to have a look at this film. The screener is 85 minutes long. Mm. I sent them the screener and 90 minutes later I had a deal. Wow. So basically they they watched the film and they t- it took them 5 minutes to work out what deal they wanted to offer me and they offered me the deal. So um and that was because I'd done my research, I'd worked out how to package the film, I'd worked out how to pitch my film, you know, and I and I basically gave them what they were looking for and and so it was a no-brainer from their point of view, you know. Wow. Um and and and, and you know and that's that's basically you know, that's that's part of the reason why it's taken me 30 years to get around to making a film, because I spent all this time trying to work out, you know, how does business work? You know, what do I need to do to make my film attractive to people? All this kind of... It takes so much time to learn all this stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. It's so, so hard, so hard to work this all out. And, and um, you know, it... it, it, it the, all that time, I could have been making films, but they probably wouldn't have been as good films, and they wouldn't wouldn't have been um, as successful films, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, um, so you know, ultimately, I don't know. Do, should I have made the films earlier? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, if you look at someone like uh, you know the Duplass brothers, you know, they've been making films for years, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know their first ones weren't that great, but they've now matured into fantastic filmmakers, you know. So, but they've but they've had that prominence all the way through. So, did they have the right strategy compared with me? I don't know. I don't right. know. I really don't know. But um, but you know, but but ultimately, yes, you know, I do regret all the time it takes in in some respect. You know, it would have been nice to be in this position 30 years ago. But what I can say to you is that this feature that I've made, this is my first feature, but it is without question, it is my best ever piece of work. I mean, you know, I am so happy with it. I'm so, so thrilled with it. You know, I'm, I'm just delighted with it in every way, shape or form. I just love it. Even though it's all made in one location in the middle of nowhere with a tiny, tiny cast and crew, it's still a really entertaining film to watch. I mean, when we were when we were making the film, when we were working on the cut, I tried to apply the disciplines that you would work with in a, in a big film. So we had three test screenings. You know, I got in audiences off the street and I would wow. play them the rough cut. And then I would get them to do the questionnaires and the whole deal. You know, we did proper test screenings on that this is, film. That is some next-level indie filmmaking right there. <laughs> but, this is, but this is, you know, but Tim, this is what I said. You know, this is all these years of research that I've done on, you know, how do you make a good film? How do you get, how do you make your film work in the marketplace? You know, mm-hmm. you have to do the test screenings. You have to make sure your film is working for an audience because if it doesn't work for an audience, you've got nothing, you know. Right. But the important thing is that even though 
you know, we, I was playing like a rough cut, ungraded, you know, with temp sound and, 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 you know, temp music and all this kind of stuff. The film always scored at least seven out of ten. Wow. Always. At least seven out of ten. It's, it, it's a very impressive uh, how you've gone about well, thank this you. and, and how uh, well organized you are. I think a lot of young filmmakers could learn a lot uh, from your preparation. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting you say that uh, because I have actually, uh, as as part of the package of the film when when it gets released, I am actually doing an educational package to teach indie filmmakers how we did what we did, basically. So, um, you know, uh, so you know, there'll there'll there's a package on our script development, you know, how we did that. There's a package on you know our, how we designed our our shooting plans, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I did a I did a course actually uh, uh, that I that I still sell now. Um, I did a course uh, to teach indie filmmakers how to get into corporate videos um, mm. because you know I've been I've been working in corporate videos for thirty years now, and you know when I go to a networking, I often get you know newer filmmakers coming up to me saying you know what do you do, and I say I make corporates, and they say oh that you know corporates yeah I've always wanted to get into corporates how do I do that, and I found that. It was almost impossible to give them advice, sort of like there and then on the spot in you know, a networking, because the subject is just so huge. Mm -hmm. And so I, I basically I spent five years developing and researching a, a course, and I recorded this course. It's a video course um, that you you can get online, um, and, and and you know it's a it's a it's a four hour course, but it's you know it's distilling down my 30 years of experience in the business down into four hours, basically. Is it seven or eight episodes? I can't remember now. But anyway, they're, 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 you, know, you can watch the first two episodes for free. Um, and if you, if you want to buy the course, uh, you can use promo code IFG30. That's IFG30. If you use that promo code, you'll get a 30% discount on, on, on the price. That's so, very interesting. Is it IFG for Indie Film Grit? That is for indie film grit. It's a it's a discount code specifically for you, Tim. Oh, I feel so special. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so basically, that succeeding in corporates course teaches you everything I know about about making corporate videos. And you know, remember, I've had a very successful career in, in corporate videos. You know, I've made videos for Apple, for Google, for Microsoft. I've won an award for Intel. You know, I've done stuff for Facebook and for Amazon in the last couple of years. You know, I made two videos with, with Tony Blair. So, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So what is the next move uh, for you? Are you <laughs> are you looking at uh, taking whatever you make off of this film and, and making another feature? Are you going to make a, another short? Well, yeah, that, that's a really good question, Tim. Um, I mean, the... the <laughs> I mean, as I said to you earlier, I mean, like, you know, my sensibilities have always been much more about feature films than short films. I've always wanted to make features, um, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt so much more comfortable making a feature than I did um, making a short. Um, but uh, but since I've shot The Redeeming, I actually shot another two shorts. Oh, um, wow. You know, while I was while I was waiting for the redeeming to, to finish up, you know, because oh. uh, because I mean, like, you know, we we shot the film. In January 2014, oh wow! And the world premiere, the world premiere is going to be in January 2018. Mm -hmm. So there's going, to, you know, there's a four-year gap between shooting it and getting it out in the world. And as it happens, the day that we uh, are doing the world premiere is actually 
four years to the day that we were shooting two key scenes in the film, you know. Mm. So, and that's that's really exciting. That's something I want to be able to talk about at the world premiere is exactly what scenes we were shooting on that day in history four years previously because right. they were really good meaty scenes, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, like, shorts are, you know, shorts are something that you can, you know, you can just get together with a few mates and, and you can shoot it in a weekend and, you know, done and dusted, you know, you can get it edited maybe in a month or two and, 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 and it's out in the world. Mm-hmm. A feature film is a, is a major, major piece of work. I mean, like, before I made The Redeeming, I went around asking people who had, you know, made features before, you know, what's your, what's your advice, what's your top tip, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people said to me that making a feature film is pretty much the same as making a lot of short films back to back. And I can see what they were meaning because in terms of pre-production, yeah, it's just like pre-producing, you know, a short film, but it's just a bigger short film. I can see that. Mm-hmm. In terms of the shoot, it's pretty much the same as as making a short film, you know, you're on set for maybe one or two days longer than you would have been on a on a short, but but the massive massive difference is in the editing, in the post-production because because the the big big difference is when when you've got a short, you know, most shorts would probably have, you know, four or five scenes and and you can't really do anything with those scenes. They they are what they are. With a feature film, in the redeeming, we had more than 120 scenes in in the redeeming. Wow. And you could you could put those scenes in any order you want right. and you'd make a completely different film. But I mean that would be that would be my major major learning point is that is that the edit is is so much bigger a job than you ever thought it would be mm-hmm. um, when you when you first set out to, to to make the film. I mean that 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 has been a massive um, sort of revelation for me. Um, well, Brian, uh, it's a lot of fun talking to you, and uh, you are very knowledgeable about filmmaking and production. So I just want to say thanks, man. Thanks for sharing all your information. Um, I'm going to check out your videos, your, your, um, your courses. Um, cause just by talking to you on here, uh, it's obvious that you do your research and you do it well. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, well, thank you very much, Tim. I mean, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and, and thank you so much for this chance to, to, to get all this off my chest. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, it, you know, can I can I just say that you know, if 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 you're interested in the redeeming, then you can find out about it at theredeeming.com. dot um, We're on Twitter as at the redeeming. Um, we're on Facebook as as the redeeming. Um, come and have a look at us. I mean, we've got um, we've got loads and loads of video material up on our Facebook page. We've got uh, behind the scenes footage. We've got interviews with the cast. Um, you know, and it's all going up in sort of. You know, there's a new video going up about every three or four days on on average. Um, oh wow! Um, you know, we're we're really really sort of you know trickling out a good story about the film. Um, and and uh, you know the the Twitter um, we've got we got uh, over five thousand followers on Twitter. Um, you know, so so you know, come and join the party basically and, and find <laughs> out about the film. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm so happy with this film. Um, you know, I'm, I just can't wait to to share it with the world. You know, it's I'm just so excited about it. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to go to the website to check out the show notes, indiefilmgrit.com. Follow us on Twitter at IndieFilmGrit. And don't forget, 
subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?